Welcome to Ablaze Ministries International Podcast. We are the youth and young adults of Hope Church Brisbane. For more information about our ministries, weekly gatherings and activities, please visit our website at www.ablaze.org.au. And right now, get ready for an inspiring message and start living out your God-given potential today. How are you guys doing? How are you doing with your oxygen levels? Everyone all right? If you st- start feeling sleepy, do what my dad tells me to do. And he's like, Lisa, you don't breathe deep enough. You've got to breathe deeply. Because apparently the little areoli in your lungs, most of it doesn't actually get the oxygen. So if you get sleepy, just take a deep breath and hold your breath not too long and let the oxygen just like osmose through your lung. And apparently that really helps Maybe with a bit of lightheadedness <laughs> as well. Okay, cool. So do you guys want to take out your Bibles and um, notebooks? I love it when I see people take notes. I especially love it when people take notes with their pen and paper because I'm just like, that is so cool and old school. Um, I still take notes with pen and paper. But um, yeah, I really do encourage you guys to take notes, not because what I'm going to say is awesome, but... When you listen to the Word of God, it's a really good habit to lean into, you know, what the Lord is saying to you. Because those things, one day the Lord's going to ask you, did you hear what I said? Did you do what I said? You know, so it's good to capture, make it a habit to just capture what the Lord says to you. Okay, so I'm just going to pray and just give the rest of the night to, to the Lord and just ask Him to really come and bless us with His presence here. Father, I thank you so much for who you are in our lives. I thank you for tonight. I thank you for moving in our hearts. Lord, you're weaving this amazing thing tonight, Lord Jesus, um, doing this amazing thing, oh God, where you are really calling us, oh God, back to you. And um, Lord, I know that maybe we talk about, it seems like we talk about this all the time, but Lord, you know, it's not because we're ranting on about this, but Lord, it's because you are beckoning us to you, oh God, close to your heart, aligning ourselves to you once again. So Lord, I pray, oh God, that, you know, right now we would be so sensitive to what you're wanting to say. Father, I pray you speak through me. I pray, oh Jesus, that um, your heart, your heart, Father, would be so evident in this place that we can almost literally feel your heartbeat in ours, oh God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So today, as Torch said, um, Pastor Torch said, um, tonight is the last installment of, um, you know, the Not A Fan series. And um, the last couple of weeks, Torch has already established the fact that, um, you know, Jesus doesn't want a crowd. He's not looking for, you know, just um, some, you know, this massive crowd. Jesus didn't have a popularity a security issue. He didn't like struggle with that, okay? Jesus is not looking for a crowd of fans. He's looking for true followers. And, you know, I was reflecting on this and I realized that when we talk about the term follower, you know, um, in the Instagram context, in the Twitter context, you know, I looked up most number of followers um, in 2013. And of course, Instagram um, itself, the Instagram account actually has the most number of followers and that's 38 million. The second most number of followers is Justin Bieber. Yeah, that's right. I don't know why, but he has the most number of followers. And then the rest of like the top 10 are like owned by the Kardashians, Kardashians, however you say their names. Um, 
Yes. So that's really interesting because these guys have like millions and millions of followers and they follow like two people, you know. It's like, how snobbish. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I th- actually thought about this and I was like, you know, Jesus is not interested in having like a group of, you know, he's not going to try and top Instagram's number of followers by trying to go for 40 million, you know, because followers are like kind of weird because you kind of range from like a casual, I'm interested in your life, to like a regular checker, you know, to re- like kind of borderline stalkerish to like, I think you really need to talk to somebody about how stalkerish you are because this is a problem, you know. Um, so it's weird. It's just made up of all these weird people that you don't know. Um, but yeah, Jesus is not looking for that. He's looking for true followers, okay? So I just want to establish that fact at the very last installment that we're not looking for like people, you know, to like Jesus's Instagram accounts and stuff like that, all right? But Jesus is looking for true followers. And the thing is, he's doing that because he knew. Jesus was always, if you read the New Testament, it always talked about how large crowds were following Jesus. He didn't have a problem with popularity. But the moment that he pulled out the thing about him dying and him suffering and the requirements to follow him, the crowd thinned out. Okay, so Jesus knew that crowds don't last forever. Um, yeah, he just knew that. And that's why he turned around and challenged them. So tonight we're going to look at the same passage of scripture for the start um, as last week. Okay, so we're going to turn to 14, 25 to 33. Luke, oh, sorry. <laughs> Did I say what book? Yeah, just testing you. Luke 14, <laughs> 25 to 33. And some of you guys are like, what? Same passage. I want my money back. All right. But we're just going to have a look at this a little bit. <laughs> Give me my tithe back. I'm kidding. Uh, all right. So if you're there, I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures that Torch covered in great detail last week. And um, if you guys missed it, I encourage you to download our podcast. And I will give you a free hug if you can guess whose voice it is at the start of the podcast. Ah, that's your incentive to go and download the podcast okay, and to listen to the sermon. Um, okay, verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, Jesus said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father or mother, wife um, and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Okay, so torture is already established that Jesus is not trying to breathe like this heavy metal, me against the world, haters, you know, gothic people, like whatever. Um, He's not trying to breed haters. He's just trying to basically say, all the people that you love the most, I just want to love, I just want you to love me more than them. That's essentially what he's trying to say. But yeah, have a a listen to the podcast because I won't go over that again tonight. Now, moving on to verse 27. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me, cannot be my disciple. Okay, so Jesus is getting really serious here. Okay, so this crowd has been following him, listening to his teachings, getting really stirred up and inspired and taking lots of notes, you know, whenever he talked about amazing, insightful things, um, great teachings and things like that. But Jesus, knowing that he wasn't sent to earth to be a one-hit wonder. You guys know what one-hit wonders are, right? If you don't know, I'm sure you know the song Kung Fu Fighting. Okay, what comes to mind when you think about Kung Fu Fighting? Po. Everybody's Kung Fu Fighting. Those kicks were fast as lightning. Do you guys know that song? Yeah? What do you think about? First thing. Cheetah. 
Kung Fu Panda, because I was like, oh, yeah, Poe wrote that song, you know. But no, Poe didn't write that song. Okay, this guy who wrote the song, it, it became really famous. It got used in lots and lots of different movies. But I bet you guys don't even know his name. His name is Carl Douglas, according to Wikipedia. And he's a Jamaican, and he wrote the song in 1974. And none of us were born at that time. Some of us were close to be born <laughs> at that time. But yeah, this guy was a one-hit wonder. So Jesus knew that he wasn't put on earth to be this one-hit wonder. You know, look at my miracles. And then it's like, we don't hear about him. And then we hear like this bleep songs, you know, used in soundtracks and stuff. But Jesus, that's why Jesus turned to the crowd. And then what he did was that he pulled out the price tag, okay? Um, so you guys know what it's like when you go to a clothes store. And so this is Torch's collection of clothes that he hasn't worn because they've all got price tags on them. Sometimes he wears it with the price tag tucked inside. Um, but you know what it's like, okay? So you're like walking on the streets of like Byron Bay or something like that, like a, a new place, okay, with unfamiliar shops. And, um, and you walk past a shop and you're like, oh, hey, I like the look of those clothes. And you go towards the rack and you browse through. Oh, wow, this looks like a secondhand shop because none of the brands match. This one's... None of the brands match. I like. I think I like this one, the Zara Gremlins version. So <laughs> I really like it. So some of you guys are too young to know what Gremlins are. Um, but you know, you know what it's like. You step into a store, you pick up an item, and you're like, "Oh, this is really awesome. How does it look on me? Awesome, right? Okay. And then what do you do? You have. Then the next thing you do is you look at the price tag. So this is a Zara item. So it's. Whoa, what country, what currency is this? It's 339,900. <laughs> I mean, I knew Zara was expensive, but gosh, not that expensive. Um, <laughs> I can't afford Zara items. I don't know how you can. Oh, it's a gift. Oh, it better be a gift. <laughs> okay, so that item is 3999000 or whatever it was. And um, you look at the price tag and you make an assessment. You either go, oh, what a bargain, right? Or you go, oh, nah. And then you generally just kind of like pretend you didn't look at the price tag and you're not interested. Oh, I'm just browsing, thank you. And you walk out. <laughs> okay, because it's too expensive, right? All right, so that's what the price tag does. The price tag, basically, you look at it and it helps you to assess whether this is something that you can afford or not. All right, so this is what Jesus did with the disciples. This, all this big crowd been following Jesus on the Jesus gang, Jesus t-shirt, Jesus tattoo, everything, and Jesus turns around to them and he pulls out the price tag. Okay, the price tag is ultimately the game changer. The, the price tag changes everything. You think you can afford that shirt and you look at the price tag and you're like, no, I'm not gonna pay $339,000 for that shirt, okay? Um, Jesse J was wrong. It is all about the price tag. She said it's not about the price tag. I think she's wrong. So anyway, um, when Jesus turns to the crowd and he says that you need to love me more than your family members, in verse 27, he says, whoever does not carry the cross cannot be my disciples. He's asking them, you want this life? You really want this life? Can you afford the price tag? And he goes on to explain, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and you're not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't even able to finish. It's like the auction situation that Torch was talking about before. If you guys rocked up to an auction, you have no idea what's going on. You're like, I like this house because it's got a pool and pools are fun. And I'm going to build all this stuff and have all my friends over. 
and you're in high school or uni or whatever, and then you put up the highest bid and you're like, yes, I'm going to use this T-shirt because <laughs> it's so expensive. It's worth $339,000. Um, and then the guy's just going to be like, um, where's your mother? <laughs> you know, where's your dad, okay? It's, it's a joke, okay? You're going to pull out your bank card, your NAB bank card, and you're like, oh, I've got money in my bank. And the guy's like, uh, yeah, sure, all right, can you afford the stamp duty? And you're like, stamp what? <laughs> like, okay, so it's a joke. Like Jesus is saying you, you don't do stuff like that when you haven't counted the cost. And then he goes on to say, suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able to, um, with 10,000 men, oppose one coming with him um, with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still on um, way off and ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. So 10,000 versus 20,000. Jesus is saying you need to assess that to see whether you can actually handle. It's just like next week, we're going to be so overwhelmed with girls that the boys won't even bother to turn up because we are obviously going to win because the flyer was printed on pink paper. Obviously, there is an advantage, okay? So girls, bring your friends. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you know what, like, boys, count the cost, all right, before you turn up next week. Otherwise, just bring your friends or something, okay? Because, you know, IQ level, teamwork, all those stuff. I mean, girls obviously have the advantage. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, you know, so Jesus is saying, you really want to be my disciples. Have a look at the price tag. And now I'm just going to take you to Luke 9.23, and we're going to have a look at what's on the price tag. All right, Luke 9.23. You can look, have a look at the screen, okay? This scripture really goes to the heart of what, what is on the price tag. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. All right, and I'm just going to unpack this a little bit, okay? And, um, you know, basically the first part, he talks about whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. In another version, in a good uh, God's Word translation, it says, those who want to come after me must say no to the things that they want, okay? And then you listen to this and you're like, okay, see, I knew it. I knew it. They brought me to church and then they're going to interfere with my life. They're going to tell me what I can't do. They're going to tell me what I, um, you know, how I need to spend my time. They're going to just control everything. I knew it, you know? God is an absolute killjoy, they make me feel bad. Every time I leave church, I just feel bad. That's why I don't want to go to church. You know, God's an absolute killjoy. Or is he? I want to ask you guys to imagine with me a scenario where you're walking by a park, and then you see some kids playing, and then you see this little kid, and he picks up, he runs to the bin area, and he picks up a syringe from the ground. Okay, and he's like, awesome, I can suck in water with this and I can squirt the other kids, all right? And he starts running around with the syringe in his hand, okay? And then um, you see an adult like frantically running across to him, kneeling down, grabbing that syringe of him and explaining to him, gosh, this is, this is like, give that to me, don't touch that, did, did you prick your fingers? No, you know, and now, how many of you watching that situation would go, that mother is a controlling mother? She has anger issues. She hates that kid. She's had a suppressed childhood. She hates having, seeing him have fun. And she's going to like just ruin his life because she didn't let him have his way. 
How many of you guys would be like, yeah, I'm going to go talk to that mother right now, okay, because she's got problems? <laughs> no, right? Because the mum knows, as we all know, because we have the foresight that that used syringe could have been used for something very dangerous, okay? Um, and not just for that kid, but for other kids as well. So the kid might have been still sulking all the way home. Mom never lets me have my way. Mom, stupid. Mom hates me having fun. Mom's a killjoy, you know? Mom hates me. I'm convinced of it. She hates me. She doesn't want me to have fun. <laughs> um, you know, and even the other kids might have been saying, yeah, your mom sucks. That was so fun, you know? Um, you know, it's easy to look at a situation like that as a bystander. And because we are older than the kid, we look at that and we're like, obviously, the mum was an awesome mum. Obviously, that kid was in danger because his life could have been ruined for life. Obviously, she did the right thing. And what a great mum. In Proverbs 14, 12 to 13, in the message version, it says, there's a way that looks harmless enough. Sorry, there's a way of life that looks harmless enough. The kid running around with the syringe, it's harmless. What's, what's the go? Runs around. There's a way that looks harmless enough. Look again. It leads straight to hell. Sure, those people appear to be having a good time, but all that laughter will end in heartbreak. So you and I live in a body that is sinful and we've got appetites with which we battle every single day. It doesn't matter whether you've been coming to church for 15 years or all your life or you're born on the altar of a church. Every one of us has appetites that want to govern our bodies, okay? Well, I really should be studying, but gosh, my body feels so heavy and these eyelids, I can barely even open. And yeah, maybe I'll just close them for five minutes. It's like five hours later. <laughs> oh yeah, no, now I should be reading my Bible, but oh gosh, I haven't checked Instagram for like 15 minutes. I really need to know what's happening and yeah, maybe I'm just like not going to care about my life and just live off the entertainment of other people's lives. And Ginny, I'm hungry. Praise God, it's Cheap Tuesday at KFC. Oh, no, I don't want that salad in the fridge. I'm just going to go for Cheap Tuesday and then use the change at the cheap change, the change menu, whatever it's called, <laughs> at Macca's, you know, and just bulk myself up. All right, we know what's good and what's not. And we find ourselves fighting with our appetites all the time. What's more, we live in a culture that feeds off our appetites. Eat more, be more sexy, a appeal, wear links, boys, because it appeals um, to the <laughs> opposite gender. Um, it makes them faint of like overdose <laughs> of links. So seriously, boys, don't overdo your deodorant. Um, yeah, <laughs> be more attractive, eat more, do this, be rich, it's wonderful. You know, do what you want with who you want, how you want, because what? YOLO, right? It's your life. <laughs> you know what? I've lived enough years, and I'm proud of being older than you guys slightly. Um, I've lived enough years, and I've made enough mistakes. And I've, more importantly, guys, I've watched enough people make enough mistakes. Um, people I know, people I read about, you know. And I know that with the important things, there are only really two choices in life. With phone cases, with nail options, with shoe options, there are millions of options, even bubble tea flavor, like 100 bubble tea flavors. Honestly, I just want the jasmine milk tea with pearl. Thank you. Like, I don't want yogurt filling, anything. I just want the one thing. But with the important things in life, there really are only two choices when you think about it. There's a lifestyle that leads to life, and then there's a lifestyle that leads to death. Listen to this, young people. 
Young people have a tendency to think that we th- the things we do don't have an impact. But do you know that every single choice you make leads somewhere? Every single choice. Oh, I'm just looking. Oh, yeah, I'm just like, um, it's just a text. Oh, it's, I'm not like, it's not like I'm hurting anybody. Oh, I'm just, it's just an email. I'm just dropping by. I'm just going to take a really long, long detour and hope to see her. <laughs> you know, we're just friends. You know, when I was a really young Christian, because I came, I grew up um, not knowing God, and then I um, entered into a relationship with Jesus when I was 17. And when I was a really young Christian, and I read verses about deny yourself and giving up all these things, and I was like, yeah, see, I knew it. They want to control my life. And so I was, I was determined to be this really cool Christian, like contemporary, kind of bridging the world and Jesus thing, you know. Um, and it just didn't work. And you know what? Over time, as I got to know God more, as I got to know the Father more, when I read a verse like deny yourself, um, and I know as I grew in wisdom as well, and I know that really there's only two options. I can choose the lifestyle that leads to life or I can choose the lifestyle that leads to death. Even as Christians, we can choose lifestyles that lead to death. You guys know what I'm talking about. So as I got to know God more, I began to realize how much He absolutely loves me. So you know, when I read a scripture like, deny, my, deny yourself, those who want to follow me, deny yourself. To me, it's a loving invitation to choose life. It's a loving invitation to not succumb to my appetites, but it's a loving invitation to choose Christ and to choose life. And that's revolutionized my thinking because all the time, you know, we're like, deny yourself. Yes, I'm like, beat my flesh and, you know, be like all like wearing rags so people can see that I'm like fully living for Jesus and stuff, you know. But Jesus is inviting us to choose life. And this weekend, turn up to your life groups because you're going to have an opportunity to discuss this um, a lot in a lot more detail than I can ha- have time to talk about tonight, okay? Now, now going back to 9.23, Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Taking up your cross, what does it mean to take up your cross? You know, we Christians, we like to wear crosses. It's on everything. It's on phone cases, it's on earrings, it's on tattoos, on tights. I almost bought a pair of cross tights and I was like, no, I think that's overdoing it. Um, and, you know, it's everywhere, okay? We like to wear crosses because to us, the cross is a symbol of grace, of forgiveness, of hope, of love. It is, right? You guys agree with me? Yep. You guys agree with me? You guys still here with me? Don't succumb to the heat. Your body wants to sleep. Don't succumb to it. <laughs> um, but in Jesus' time, the Romans time, uh, in the time of the Rome, uh, Romans um, culture, the, the cross was a symbol of death. So criminals were made to carry their cross so that they could be humiliated on the way to their death as a, p- a part of their punishment. So it's very different. Okay, so if you wore like cross tights back in those Roman days, if you like time machines were real, you'd be like, whoa, that guy's like a murderer because he's, t- he's got crosses all over him. Um, you know, like it's just really different. So when Jesus said, take up your cross, He's not saying plaster crosses all over you so people can see you're a Christian. You can do that if you want. I've got a cross shirt and things like that that I like. But he's asking, are you willing to die to yourself? And I know when I say this, a lot of people think, oh, yeah, you're asking me to, like, be like that, you know, missionary that Torch talked about. Go and, like, 
go somewhere and then get killed and then be glorified, you know, because I'm a martyr for Jesus and stuff. But here's a thought I want to leave with you. It is a lot harder to live for Jesus than it is to die for Jesus. If you think about it, it's a lot harder to live for Jesus than it is to die for Jesus. Because when you die, you're just like, boop, in heaven and it's wonderful. But to live for Jesus is a daily fight with your flesh, denying yourself, picking up your cross. So here's some questions I want to ask you. Are you willing to follow Jesus if it means losing your closest friends? If it means changing some friendships? Are you willing to follow Jesus if it means alienation from your family? Now, I'm not saying run away, okay, I, I, I don't have time to qualify, but I'm not saying go run away. But if it's, you know, if your family's like, don't follow Jesus, you know, worship this God and things like that. And you're like, God, but I want to follow you. You know, are you willing to follow Jesus if it means the loss of your reputation? Are you willing to follow Jesus if it means giving up or adjusting your social life? How you spend your private time? Are you willing to discipline yourself so that you can grow as a disciple? I really liked um, what someone said before. I think it was Torch or Mary, you know, where you can't grow spiritually overnight. You can't crash course like you crash course. We all crash course um, uni assignments. We all crash course presentations, job interviews. But you cannot crash course spiritual maturity. You can't. You can't be like, oh, 12-week challenge. God, Torch is going to ask me. Tonight, I'm going to go through all 12 weeks in one night. And I'm going to be like super spiritual. You know, you can't do that. It's like exercise. All right. I heard some, a preacher talk about this. It's like, you know, and we've all done this. It's like, oh, I haven't exercised for like a whole year. I'm just going to go, you know, work out the whole weekend. Nine to five. I'm just going to do round around the block. You know, your body's going to be like, you're so stupid. You just ruined me. I can't walk. I can't even get out of bed. You know, you can't do that with family meals. You can't be like, oh, I haven't eaten at home for like a year. All right, mom, let's just eat all day, one day, you know, of the year. Like, you can't do that. And it's the same with spiritual things. You can't just do it sporadically. It doesn't add up to anything, okay? But that's why Jesus said taking up your cross every day. It includes prayer, quiet time, talking with God every single day, okay? Now, the last thing. He says that whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves take up their cross, okay? Denying themselves is actually really trusting that the Lord has your best in mind. Denying yourself is trusting that the Lord has your best in mind, and then God, I'm going to give this up, give my appetite up, give it, not give in to my appetite because you are good. Taking up your cross every day is actually living it out, not just believing in your heart, but actually living it out. And then the last one is following Jesus is to follow me, go the distance. Once you've done the first two, what you'll find is you will go the distance with Jesus. I hope you're not just planning. Like you guys are probably like what, 13, 14, some of you are in your 20s. I hope you're not just like, yeah, I'm just going to try out this Christian thing for like five years. Yeah, I think I'm just going to be a Christian for five years. That's about it. And then I'm just going to move on to something else. You know, I really hope that's not your attitude. You know, it's not like, I don't know, something temporal. It's, a, it's something that you just choose to go to distance. I've talked to um, parents of kids in our ministry, and um, I've talked to these kids, and they're like, yeah, my dad used to be like a youth leader. And I was like, oh, what happened? Is he, fo- like, is he still walking with God? Is he still, nah, nah, he doesn't, doesn't even go to church anymore. And you know what? Like, I'm not standing there judging him. I'm just like, God, it just is a reminder that I need to be humble. I just need to be humble. I can't be like, yeah, that'll never happen to me. 
I need to be humble. I just need to be so open to what God is doing all the time in my life, you know. Here's the thing. So this is the price tag. T-A-G, all right? It's um, trusting that God has the best for you so that it's easy to deny yourself. And that denying yourself is not a punishment because God hates you, but denying yourself of your appetites is an invitation to lead a lifestyle that leads to life. So Daniel, can you just pull up that slide? Um, A, it's actually living it out. It's taking up the cross every day. It's not just believing in your heart, Jesus, mumbling Jesus in your heart, but it's actually living it out. And then G, going the distance, following God all the way. And here's what I want to close with, okay? What is the big deal between being a, why do I have to really choose between being a follower or a fan? Can I be a bit of both? I really hope you guys have been deliberating over some of this. And this is something that I've really forced myself to be thinking through. Just because I've been going to church for 15 years doesn't mean I'm like, yeah, I'm a follower. I had to seriously come before the Lord and I'm like, God, whoa, this part of me is like a fan attitude. I think I need to give that up to you. You know, none of us are too mature for the reach of Christ. Every one of us still needs the fresh touch of God, still needs to obey to that soft, still voice of God. What is the big deal of being a fan or a follower? What's at stake? What is the prize tag of not following Jesus? You know, Ablaze, if our vision is to disciple generations who change nations, the very starting point of this vision is for all of us to be disciples. Because when you think about it, if there are no disciples, then there will be no discipling, then there will be no changing of generations and no changing of nations. That's it. Rewind the time back to the times of the Bible. We have a Bible in our hands because these people who wrote the Bible, these people who lived in those times, when I'm gonna pay the price. I look at the price tag, I need to deny myself um, take up the cross every day and follow Jesus. And they did that. Imagine if they didn't. Imagine if they were like, I'm just gonna like go with the flow of culture. I'm just gonna like, you know, eat myself fat and I'm just gonna do whatever I feel like doing because, the, you know, the time is now and YOLO and just wanna make the most of my time. I think the Bible would be significantly thinner. Significantly. And if at all, be able to get to a country like this. And if at all, pass through time. Because some people along the way, our forefathers just went, mm, what's the big deal? Doesn't matter. There's no personal consequences. You know what? The decision that you make today, you might feel like, well, I'm only one person. If I don't do it, then like Emmanuel will. And if Emmanuel doesn't do it, then Tom will. And Tom doesn't do it, then his brother will. <laughs> you know, we, we feel like there's no eternal consequence to our decision. But let me tell you, there is. And I'm not trying to pull a guilt trip on you, but I, I hope that I'm communicating the heart of God to say that He wants to give you this invitation, not because He like just needs workers and stuff. Yes, there's an aspect too, because God has entrusted the gospel to us, but it's because it's an invitation for you to lead a lifestyle that leads to life. And then when others look at this, like Mary said, when others rub their shoulders against you as they're working and things like that, they're like, whoa, hey, there's something really different about you. What is it? And then other people, you know, they, their senses get awakened to this amazing God that they too can know. The Great Commission is not for the faint-hearted. 
The Great Commission is not for fans because fans won't last. Fans would just be like, no, sorry, too hard, man, too hard. It takes committed followers of Christ who are willing to deny themselves, pick up their cross and follow Him, who are willing to pay the price. If the gospel needs to be taken to the ends of the world, if like Mary just saw in Cambodia, you know, and there's so many other people who haven't heard about Jesus Christ, then what is it going to take? And this is exactly a heart cry. You know, we can't afford to be a cool Christian group that like is relevant and contemporary and we go rock climbing and do picnics alone. We can't afford just to do that. If you want to do that, there are so many clubs who do that way better. Like their picnics are way more elaborate than ours. So enjoying that. But in this place, Ablaze Ministries International, we have a vision to disciple generations, change nations, one person at a time. One person at a time. And here's the thing, it might feel like a huge responsibility. And you know what, honestly, we could have chosen to dumb this down. We're like, yeah, it's a youth ministry, these are young people. We could have just like, yeah, Jesus loves you. Awesome, let's just do the dance and you know, let's have lots of fun and play games all night. But in our hearts, the Lord's put in our hearts not to dumb this down, but to preach it because the youth Bible and the adult Bible and the kids Bible all have the same content all have the same message that God is here to redeem humanity unto Himself, reach people who have not heard about Jesus Christ. And if this feels like a big weight on you, I wanna ask you to consider the ultimate price tag. And the ultimate price tag, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. You and I don't deserve to sing hallelujah Jesus. You and I deserve be in the pit of hell because of the sin in our lives. We were born with it. It's humanity's destiny. But Jesus Christ, through the grace of God, was sent to earth to pay the ultimate price, a price that you cannot pay, a price that I couldn't pay, and the price that I am still so thankful that Jesus came to pay for me. He paid the ultimate price, guys, the ultimate price. He didn't have to. Did He struggle? Yes. Read your Bible, you will know that he struggled with all of his heart. It was hard for him. But he went, God, not my will, but yours be done. So because we have a Christ, a Lord and Savior who denied himself, he said, Father, not my will. Father, I trust that you have the best for me. Father, I take up my cross every day. I literally want to live this out every day, actually living it out every day. And Father, I wanna follow your voice. Jesus, he went the distance. Will you guys do that too? Will you trust that God has your best in mind? And when you say, God, when you say to me, deny yourself, you're not punishing me. It's a loving invitation. Will you trust God enough? Will you look at the price tag? Will you actually live it out? Will you actually go, God, I'm not gonna just have this in my heart, but actually, live it out, take up my cross and follow you. Be willing to sacrifice, be willing to suffer and then go the distance. Go for gold, go for distance, you know. Choose to make this a lifelong decision. I challenge you, not just to be a disciple in a crash course kind of way, but I challenge you to make this and I invite you to make this a lifestyle, okay. You know, I just wanna share, close, um, really close, um, with a story, actually just a, uh, this, this week, Torch had um, 
one of you guys over. And, um, you know, it was good to catch up with this person. I won't say who you are because you're going to get embarrassed. But, um, you know, and as I was leaving the conversation, I was washing the dishes, I overheard what this person had to say. And this person was saying, you know, like, oh, you know what, I was, I was like, I kind of grew up in a third world country and I, you know, I, 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 I'm used to that. I'm used to seeing um, the slums. I'm used to seeing, you know, poverty and things like that. And um, he said this, now I'm in Australia. I see, like, the world is so different here. And he said, it would be such a waste for me not to go to the third world country because I can handle it. You know, it would be such a waste for me not to spend my life doing missions in those countries. And I just, oh, I was like standing at the sink and I was just like, oh my gosh, Lord. I think that like the Lord was just speaking to me and just ministering to me at that point. I was so touched. You know, I just thought this is coming from a 20-year-old. And I was just like, God, if a generation of Christ followers, if our church is filled with people who would say that in their early years, God, this world is going to be turned upside down for you, for our Lord Jesus Christ. So yeah, guys, come and worship the Lord. Come and respond to the Lord. Um, You know, it's the final installment. I know that maybe last few weeks you guys have been, um, you know, responding to the Lord and giving your heart to Him. This is not a hype, but I want you to come before the Lord Jesus Christ. And just respond to Him. And um, I, if you want, you can come up to the front. In fact, I invite you to come up to the front and just, you know, lay your lives before Him. And if you're a Christ follower, come on and just kneel before Him. Give your lives to Him wholly and say, God, I want to be in this for the long run. I want to be in this, not just while it's cool, not just while it's easy, not just while we have air conditioning. But even in the stinking hot weather, even when the room, you know, is so hot, even when things get really tough, I want to live for you. I want to trust you enough, Lord, to know that you have my best in mind. And so when I deny myself, it is easy. It's a loving invitation to lead a lifestyle that leads to life. Come on. And God, I want to actually live it. I want to pay the price tag. I know full well what it is and I want to pay it. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Come on, you don't have to wait for the band. You just start to lift up your praise, lift up your prayer, lift up your worship to the Lord. Come and surrender yourself. I just want you guys to express yourself. You can kneel, you can lift up your hands, whatever it is, just give your life.